message is part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to Romans 13 this morning. When you hear the word honor, what's the, the kind of the first thing that comes to your mind? Maybe it is something like a, a veterans and people that have done something, uh, armed forces, uh, maybe our local police officers and others like that, that they have this uh, ability to protect and this job and this responsibility to protect. And so, okay, to you, you hear that word honor, you're going, yeah, we should honor people like that. Maybe you were taught, maybe you were taught when you were little to honor your elders and that people that were older than you, that you were to give them a respect and an honor. The Bible talks about that. Maybe it's that fifth commandment that... Uh, that we, was one of the first commandments that we learned as little kids, honor your mother and your father. Or maybe you've been to court recently, hopefully on the good side. And, you know, the, the judge walks in and they, you know, they address him as your honor. Well, all those things are things that you and I deal with on a regular basis. And, and yet, as we did this morning uh, with just trying to give honor to those people like our veterans, what is the biblical place of honor when we know that God is really the only one that's truly worthy of any real honor. He's the only perfect one. He's the one that is truly the honorable one. But when we open up the Word of God, we see both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that it is God who has established us to have uh, honor toward other authorities that He has placed in our lives. And we see things like even the government. Now, I I don't know about you, and this is just kind of a, a little side thing, but, you know, guys... The elections, you know, like this last one, both uh, in the national level and on the uh, local level, it is one of those things that there's a little bit of me that kind of gets tired of that. And you see the ads and you see the division and you see the people very strong on both sides. And God has given us opinions. And he has not told us that we should have this opinion or that opinion. We're going to have opinions that go in line with the word of God and the truth of God. And yet you're going to find people, even in the same family, that are going to have stronger opinions politically about this subject or that subject. And, and while in one way it is good for us to have opinions and think through all those processes and all those different things in our lives, it can be quite tiresome. And so sometimes in that fatigue, we just kind of drop that whole part of responsibility, maybe that whole part of, of just saying, okay, I, I just want to kind of get away from that. And I would hope that everybody this past week did go out and vote and that you exercise your freedom both as an American and just that you were able to go out there and let your voice be heard. But am I the only one that there's a part of you that just wants to withdraw from all that because of the division and because of the, the heaviness of it? Well, if you feel that this morning, I, I want to encourage you. Again, not to go sign up and, at your local Republican or Democrat or Libertarian place or anything like that, but to understand that God has a purpose for government. He has a purpose for uh, law enforcement. He has a purpose for even armies that would be the armies of nations. God is the one who has established places of authority into the lives of, of all of us. It starts right there in the home. And the Bible is not really silent about this. In fact, you would think that maybe when you start thinking of government and commandments and stuff like that, do you think more Old Testament or New Testament? 
A lot of people, I mean, to my mind, it would be kind of Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, he's laying down these commandments and he's establishing these nations. And in the New Testament, we put such the focus on the finished work of Christ that we think that sometimes the New Testament is pretty silent about those kind of structural things. But guys, every New Testament writer addressed it. And they really addressed it at length. Open your Bibles again to Romans 13. And the Apostle Paul deals with it in a very direct way. Look at verse 1, Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, what, God is, what Paul is saying here, and remember, God is the one that's inspiring Paul to write, so we can't say that this is just Paul's view on things. No, God is inspiring, so this is God's word. And what God is saying there is that when we have governments, it's because he has established those things. He's put people in authority. He's put structures of authority over us so that there would be some sense of order around our lives. We see this as early as Genesis, and it continues through all the New Testament. But the coming of Christ and the finished work of Christ did not all of a sudden just, you know, wipe out all the structure that God had put in place. Now, if anything, we see that the New Testament writers, that they are writing about that government is there, and that we as Christians have a responsibility in the way that we respond to governing authorities around us. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should be for this president or for that president. But it does say that because that is a governing authority over us, that's a position of authority over us, that we should, as Christians, pray for that person. There's been times in my Christian life, and I'm, you know, if you know me, I have very strong political opinions. I will never share them from this pulpit. I won't share them on Facebook or anywhere place else. I want the gospel to always be supreme. And I don't want to, you know, muddy the waters with the things of man. At the same time, I've got to realize that, you know, we're going to have times where we're going to go, that's not the person I voted for, or that's the person I wanted, you know, that that won, and I'm for that person. And it's so easy for us, even as Christians, to align ourselves in a political way that we forget that supreme over our life is the Christian way. Does that make sense? Because it's one of those things that can be very, very tiresome. I'm not trying to get anybody to mark your name off of this party or that party or here's how you should vote. I'm just saying, because if anything, this is calling us to be people that are participating in government. But the Bible makes it really clear that, hey, look, none of this is happening without the allowance, at least, of a sovereign God. Here that theological term comes back up. It's come up all the way through the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50. It came up in the last two weeks. We start to see this application. What does it mean that God is sovereign, that he's over all things? One of the applications that Paul points to is, look, guys, if you go out there and you're under this political system, understand that God is aware of it. And he's at last at least allowing it. Now, that confused a lot of people, even in the Old Testament. Do you remember when Israel, you know, they were messing up. They weren't always faithful to, to, to God, and they would kind of rebel and reject God and the things of God. And there was times that God brought correction to his own people, to the Israelites. Now, he loved the Israelites. That was his people. He had made covenant with his people. And yet there were times that they just got so astray of the things of God that brought, God brought correction into their lives. 
And there was times like if you go back and look in the book of Habakkuk and others where God brought other people in to kind of put Israel under their authority for a while, other nations. You go back to the book of Habakkuk and Habakkuk scratched his head as he was going, God, you know, I understand that we haven't been perfect. But really, you're going to call the Assyrians? Are you going to call the, the Babylonians? You're going to, they're godless people. How could you ever call godless authority into the lives of godly people? Modern day application. <laughs> Our politics. There's a lot of people out there that are going to be an authority over you because they hold a position, but that doesn't mean that they're godly people. Would God, would God and does God use governing authorities in this day and time and place us as Christians under their authority? The Bible would say yes. The Bible deals with it very directly. You say, well, Bobby, they just didn't, you know, Pastor, they didn't understand our times. Paul is writing this. John is writing this. Peter, we're going to see that Peter addresses it. They all address it. Guys, the Roman authorities of their day were going out and killing Christians. It wasn't like they were just in agreement with the, the, those that were in authority. No, they were bowed. The whole ministry of, uh, of Jesus, you have disciples going, okay, is this the time that we're going to set up the kingdom? That we're going to overthrow the Romans? We're going to get rid of this man's government and we're going to bring in this eternal government of Christ? And what did Christ have to keep on reminding them? My kingdom is not what? Of this world. Now, by that, Jesus wasn't saying that there wasn't an authority in this world. Time and time again, the Pharisees were trying to capture Jesus in the corner that he would say something that would be against the authorities of that day, the Roman government. And time and time again, Jesus would say, you know, this, pick out that little piece, that coin, and they said, you know, do you pay taxes? You remember what Jesus said? Render unto Caesar. What is Caesar? Now he says, Guys, be obedient and pay your taxes. Now, do you think that really flew uh, in the face of popularity to the people who maybe had lost a loved one under the evil of a Roman a government that, that really did kind of press upon them? No. And yet Christ, he never comes against the governing authorities. If anything, he came across the Phar- against the Pharisees because of their spiritual stand. As time and time again, the, the Bible does not separate us from living real life. We don't have a life on Sunday between 9 and 12 and then a, a, a day, uh, six and a half days out in the world where we do other things. No, there's unity in the Word of God and in the instruction of God to guide us seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Look at verse 7. I, I realize we're going all the way down to the end of that particular passage. But look at the attitude that God calls us to in this command that there is a governing authority around us. Romans thirteen seven. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to those revenue is owed, respect to those respect is owed, honor to those who honor is owed. Some translations translate it this way. Honor those things that are honorable. Do you believe that that is a biblical truth? I mean, it's, it's in the Bible here. Do you believe that the biblical truth is that we are to honor those things that are honorable? 
That's a good, good answer. Is everything that is honorable always spiritually correct and right and in alignment with God's word? Guys, there's going to be times that the president uh, that is residing in the, over the United States or this senator or this governor or this person is not going to be the guy that you would align yourself with in a political way. And yet God has made it very, very clear that we are to pray for that person and that we are under the authority of that person. We are to be cooperative people and not uncooperative people. The only violation that comes in there is when we get to the place where if the government called upon us to do things that were unbiblical. In the same way that it says to honor your mother and father, I've had those people that have come to me in counseling before and said, well, my mom has told me to do this. And it was something that was unbiblical. I said, no, the word of God reigns over what, this, what your mom says in that place. But your mom still has a position of honor in your life. There's been many times that there's not going to be people of honor, but they will hold a position of honor. Does that make sense? And God wants us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to honor those positions and ultimately, in a way, those people that hold those positions. doesn't mean we have to agree with them. This is not a political sermon. This is about maturity in Christ because when we see what Paul says, when we see what Peter says about this, they put it up there as marks of maturity. That is, Christ would rule and reign in our heart more and more, that we would be these people that would honor the things that God has established. Look again back at verse 1. He gives us the reason why we should honor it. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. God is the one who's put a system of authority around us. Uh, we in America, we live under a system where we have senators, and we have representatives, and we have juries, and we have the Supreme Court, and we have all this. It's a pretty big system. And God says that this system, God doesn't say that, okay, I'm the one that set up there and I gave the instructions to those forefathers to set it up this way. No, he says, but I gave them guidance. I gave allowance. God's call upon our life is that we should, through our obedience, it's not always through compliance, but through our obedience and our honor of those that are above us, that we would show honor to him. So it's so important for us to, to understand that as children that uh, we begin to see a system of authority from the very beginning. It's amazing how even parents that are not church people kind of know that whole fifth commandment, honor your mother and father. Have you ever noticed that? You know, that, okay, look, I hold a position of authority and I hold a position uh, of a structure uh, uh, above you. The fifth commandment is this, Exodus twenty twelve. Look what it says. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. I always thought that was kind of humorous, that your days may be long. In other words, I thought, okay, you honor your mother and father, they're going to let you live. And then there's probably a little bit of truth to that. But really what it means there is the fullness of life, that there's going to be a full life because we're obedient to the things that God has put up in his structures. Now, how many of y'all believe in the commandment? 
Not the suggestion, but the commandment to honor your mother and father. Okay, we believe in that. Do we have perfect mothers and fathers? Could we even have had rebellious people that, you know, that didn't even love God? Could we have had a mother and father like that? Yes. Are we still to respect? Are we still to honor? Are we still to keep this commandment even if they were not Christians and followers of God? Yes. Now, why is that important? Because we're honoring what God has established. And there's a place of authority there. See, sometimes God says, okay, you give obedience to the structure that I've established, even though the person, again, to the position, even though the person is not really living out in a very godly way. I I believe, uh, some of you have heard my story, and I don't want to belabor that point, but but my real mom, um, we don't have a really great relationship, okay? We've seen each other four times in the last 40 years. And there's days that I really get convicted that even though I could start the whole list of how my heart has been broken by that situation over the years, God still calls me to honor that position as an authority in my life. And I pray that I have never disrespected my mom. I pray that I never have. I pray that I never will. Have I been hurt? Do I do... You know, have I longed for that relationship? Yes. And yet that relationship isn't there. But I pray that I never do anything but give honor to the position. Why is this so important? Because it is the structure that God has established. Most of us, if not every one of us, we learn about being subjects under authority in the home. We didn't learn it from government. We didn't wait till we got into sixth grade and started taking some classes in political science before we started learning that, you know, there were people of authority. How many of you had to wait for your first job before you understood that there were bosses and there were people that weren't bosses? We understood for the most part, whether you had a Christian mother and dad, whether you had godly parents or not, that they were authorities over you. Now, here's the whole thing, that God has done that for, for three reasons. And it's kind of a, a, a stair step here. He calls us to submit to authority. In this case, to honor your parents. And that means that there's a submission. Secondly, that builds into a place where, hopefully under the submission, we come to a place of respecting authority. Would you agree that there's a difference between submitting to authority and respecting authority? Would you agree also that the next step kind of in maturity is to honor authority? You can submit to authority and still not honor authority. There's a maturing process that goes on here. And this is what God has called us to. And we have a whole bunch of teachers that are a part of CS. And I'm asking you as teachers, in in all seriousness, As you work with children, whether they're preschool children, grade-age children, high school-level children, do you see sometimes a direct correlation between respect of authority in the home and its transfer of respect and authority in a system like a school? Okay, I'm going to give you three choices here. One, no correlation whatsoever. Some correlation are a very high correlation. Uh, just some uh, Debbie, you'd give it a three. Brian, you're a teacher. A three. 
Three. Are there any teachers here that would give it a one or a two? No, you that work with kids, you're in that experience on a day-by-day basis. You're going, no. I say a direct correlation. This is why God says, okay, look, even if you don't have the perfect parents, which none of us did, and none of us are, he said, I want to establish this system here because it's for your maturity. Because you're going to have to respond to authority for the rest of your life. How many of you have come to the conclusion that as long as we're here, that there is going to be an authority over us? And I'm not just talking spiritually. I'm talking in, in the worldly sense that there's always going to be an authority. There's always going to be a boss. And that boss is always going to have another boss. And that we are people that have to live under authority. Cleve, many, many, many years in law enforcement. No correlation between the way that uh, a, a child honored in the home and what you saw out in real life on the streets. Some correlation or high correlation. Yeah. That sometimes it, 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 as they would go out there, that as they were obedient at home, that they seemed to be obedient in the streets. And if they weren't obedient at home, that sometimes they lost all obedience there in the streets or whatever in, in real life. And it saddens your heart because you're going, you know, I wish that you would have learned this at home when you were one and two and three so that you could be obedient then in grade school in grades one, two, and three so that as you would go, to, go out there and get job one, two, or three. Do you see the, the connection there? This is the wisdom of God, guys. This is why God says, look, you're not going to have perfect parents. You're not going to be perfect parents. But I want to establish this whole honoring of the position of parenting because I want to teach you that if you can't honor the ones that you see, how can you ever honor the one that you don't see? See, God has actually shown us a lot of grace in that. One of the ways, and when I do children's conferences or parenting conferences, one of the things that I tried to, to really get us to, to focus on and understand is that those early years of development are so crucial in spiritual development, not just that they begin to sing songs like Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me, so, that we learn and we put all that in, but that we learn, hey, these are the things that God wants to establish into the mind and heart because as these truths, these spiritual truths, like honor and obedience to those that are in authority, that you're going to carry this for the rest of your life. And it has great, great impact. Here's the point. God has established people of authority, systems of authority in our lives from day one so that we can respond appropriately to other people and systems of authority throughout our lives, ultimately to God himself. Think of it this way. Again, it's hard to honor and be obedient to a God you can't see when you're disobedient to the, the ones that he's placed in authority over you right there. This is why I feel like Satan really has done not double or triple or quadruple time, but spends so much time attacking the home and the structure of the home. But we say that as we live in 2018, that the status of the home, we say, you know, how fragile it is. And yet they've been saying that for centuries, guys. I think Satan has always attacked the home. Why? Because the home was the place where we get those foundational kind of understandings, those spiritual truths, even from people that weren't always spiritual. And so if you're Satan, Satan I didn't look it up and, and to quote this one, but have you ever heard that Paul Harvey? 
back from the 1950s or 60s, if I was Satan, here's what I would do. And you go down, and it's like reading a, a, a description of society today that we're seeing the end result of the home being broken down and that structure. Now, this is not, you know, for all the, the kids and the youth that are here, this is not so that you can go home and your parents can say, you heard Pastor Bobby this morning. You know, I mean, in one way it is. But it's to give you a biblical understanding of why this is so important. And I would tell you this, if you're a student here today, and I don't know that I would have received this in my mind, in my heart, when I was 10, 12, 14, 15. But I tell you this, because we're now 56. <laughs> if you had parents that taught you to be obedient to authority, you rise up and call, your, call them blessed. My dad didn't really teach me a lot of spiritual things, but he taught me respect. I kid all the time. The girl at McDonald's, oh, you don't have to call me ma'am. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> My dad will come right around that corner <laughs> and he will snatch me and say, you did not call her ma'am. <laughs> and I am so thankful. He didn't really do it. I promise you he didn't say, well, you know, in Romans 13 or in Exodus 20, 12, it says this. My dad didn't have that spiritual reference, but he told me that because this is what Paul was talking about, that God has given us an understanding of authority and respect for authority and how to respond to authority that is part of just common grace. God says, okay, this is how I've established things. So even people who are not Christians still know, man, you know, really, deep down, we're supposed to respond to authority. We're, we're supposed to submit to those that are in authority over us. We're not to have this rebellious nature where we always question the boss. I mean, you go back to Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6 and see how much time Paul spent on just doing real life. Hey, if you're over people, treat them this way. Treat them with respect. Hey, if you're under somebody, treat those that are above you with, with love and respect. Look again what it says in, in Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been uh, instituted by God. Verse 2. Therefore, okay, here, here's how you respond to that. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Don't know that he's really talking about an internal judgment that is based on our response to Christ. But there is a judgment. He said there's a payment that this is the right way to live. You live under authority and in cooperation with that. And if you don't, you're going to have a rough life. You're going to be kind of kicking against things. They're going to kick back. Out of all the disciples, would you consider that Peter was probably one of the most, by nature, kind of rebellious? Kind of that, that self-thinker? Kind of like, okay, here's what everybody else does, man. You, 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 you're all in the box. I'm outside the box. Would you give me that, that Peter, for the most part, if not the most, kind of independent thinking disciple, seemed to be the one that was always kind of, you know, say something first and think later. It's kind of the nature of Peter. What does Peter say about this? He's got to have this rebellious nature, this kind of like, I ain't going to tell, let anybody tell me what to do. Peter's just this kind of guy. 
He even argues with Christ on several occasions. What did Peter say? Now again, guys, this is after the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is after Christ is risen from the dead. This is in the gospel church era. Here is what Peter says. 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 17. Be subject for what? For the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent to him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence those that are ignorant of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. That's the last part. Honor the emperor. Some translations will have honor the king. Does that sound like Peter to you? But this is Peter after Pentecost. This is Peter after Uh, the filling of God's Holy Spirit. This is Peter as he begins to understand the bigger picture of what God has called him into. Peter would, I I think we can make this connection right there from what Peter said because it connects everything back to our relationship with God. He would say that your maturity in Christ is somewhat represented by your respect of authority around you. And I think that we have verse after verse after verse after verse that give way to that. In fact, the word honor in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, is to give weight. And so the call for us is to give weight to parents, to give weight to bosses, to give weight to police officers, to give weight to elected officials, to give weight to teachers and ministers. The Bible even says uh, uh, in in Timothy, Paul writes uh, about uh, that to give double honor to those that are elders of the church and, and leaders in the church. He brings that spiritual thing. Now, I don't do that in any way to say, okay, yeah, we should lord over. No, I say that we see this system over and over again in the New Testament by people that were not always really cooperative people, people that kind of had a rebellious nature. And yet, in Christ's maturity, they began to say, no, look, this is what we're to do. We're to respect this and to respect it. That doesn't mean that we go out and we... You know, if if all of a sudden something evil is out there and this is happening in our society, that we have to be in agreement with the evil. No, what it means is that we just respect those that God has placed as authority. How do we live in a day and age when there's so much division? How, How do we live in a day and age when Facebook or social media and different things that can just blow up when people put a statement on there and all of a sudden somebody gets offended and then you have this rat-a-tat-tat back and forth of just this rapid fire of opinions. How are you to respond as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ in a world like that? The, the Bible tells us. Can we go to that last verse, that last slide? Look, look what Paul writes in Romans 12. And Does anybody have their Bible open to Romans 12? I know so many times we kind of cheat and just do this. Is there a title? Is there a subject title over the top in your Bible? Not every Bible has it. Over this section of Romans 12. Okay, love. Personal responsibility. Living sacrifice to God going all the way back to, to Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
Christian conduct? Ethics? Okay. So do you see the theme here? So that we can keep everything in context. Because that's one thing I don't like about not true expository preaching where we just kind of go from start to, to finish and we're kind of picking different subjects. What is the connection of this? He's talking about a Christian's response in a world that they live in and Christian responsibility. And here's what he says. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to that which is good. Another way of saying that in our lives, honor that is which is honorable. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow. Next time there's a little one of gossip going around the water cooler. That we would outdo one another in showing honor? That's kind of convicting, isn't it? Because it's easy to part, be part of, you know, man, I wish the bosses weren't doing this or whatever. Guys, as obedient Christians, as mature Christians, this is our call, that we're under authority in all these different places in our lives. And this is his command, that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. That's challenging. There's times that you just want to say, let me end this just so that we get the real perspective. Have you ever had a boss that you knew more than the boss? I mean, truly, you did. Not just that you thought you did, but truly, you knew more than the boss. And it's very frustrating because the boss will say something and you're going, that's not right. Well, what would the Bible say about that? Outdo one another in showing honor. Find a way maybe to get that suggestion in so that you can do it the best way. Guys, I realize this goes against the grain of kind of our current thought. Man, we are to be people that just voice our opinions and we just get in there and we give our comments, we do this. Now, the Bible calls us not to, to be people without opinions, but to do so in respect and that we do it in love, that we would outdo one another in showing honor to those that are in authority around us. And it starts in the home. It starts right there in the home. God bless you as parents if you're raising children in this day and age, that you would teach them this uh, from the, the ground up, that they would learn from the very beginning. You are giving that child, that little boy, that little girl, more ability to do life rightly in their future, in a job, in this place, and all these different places, in a marriage, in a marriage. You're going to teach them more about that because you've taught them that, there are, that they're not the end all. And do you know that we have a natural bent in every one of us, in our human nature, that we are the end all? And so God has placed structure around us. He's placed truth around us. He placed people around us. He's placed parents around us to show us sometimes that we're not the end all. And that's a hard thing to get through your mind if you've ever been 12 or 13 before. Let's pray together this morning. Father, This morning, we do give honor to those uh, veterans, Father, that have served. And, Father, we give honor to other people of authority that you've placed in their lives. And, Father, sometimes if we've had that really impactful teacher, it's so easy for us to say, yes, I'm going to give honor and respect to that person. Or if we've had parents that were just the most wonderful parents in the entire world, and they just were godly and so good in every single way it's easy for us to say yes I want to rise up and call my mom blessed because she is such a gift from God 
But Father, the challenge comes in when we have that boss that really doesn't always make the right decision, isn't always fair. When we have that parent that, that maybe uses that authority over us for evil instead of good, when we have government around us that Father is so frayed and in shambles at times that, that Father, we just want to, to walk the other way. Father, thank you for your word today. It says we are to be people under authority. Not because we always agree with the decisions that they're making, but because it's a structure that you have at least allowed. And that as we respond to those that are in authority over us, we are responding to you. So, Father, teach us this. Help us, Father, this day to go out. And truly, as your word says, try to outdo one another in honoring those things that are honorable around us. We love you and we thank you. So we pray all these things in Christ's name. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.